Hi, I'm Giancarlo from Miami Heat Beat, and we want to welcome, welcome, welcome Miami Heat UK to their 50th episode. Listen, we're here. We love Dan. Uh, we love Dan Healy over here. We love everything that you guys do at Miami Heat UK. Uh, it's cool. And, like, you know, for us who have been in the game for a while, it's great to see, like, you know, new content creators kind of come up and do an amazing job. And, you know, Dan specifically, you are not just one of the best doing it right now, but you're also, like, an amazing person. So we support you. We love you. We're excited for what comes next for you guys. And keep killing the game. Keep killing the game. And shout out to you for staying up so late for West Coast games. <laughs> like, you're crazy. We barely stay awake. Hey, Daniel. It's Will Manso here from Miami. Actually, Miami Beach. I'm bringing the beauty of the beach and the sand to you to celebrate your 50th episode. I can't believe you've been bringing UK fans all the heat information, news, chatter, and great guests all the time for 50 episodes now. So congratulations. I love listening. Keep up the great work on the other side and hope to see you in Miami here soon. You can head out to the beach. You can enjoy some heat basketball. But 50 down, 250 more to go of being a great heat fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. I am the host of Hangover Time on the Miami Heat Beat Twitch channel. We do a post-game show after every Heat game. Check us out. But I'm here today to wish congratulations to Miami Heat UK for 50 episodes. Great job. That's a tremendous milestone. Keep it going. And to celebrate, I brought my dancing girls. I brought my liquor. There's some illicit drugs in the back, and I might get fired, but it's worth it to wish my boy congratulations on 50 episodes. See you in the next 50. Hey, everyone. This is David Ramil of Locks on Heat. So grateful for having gotten a chance to know Dan over the last year or so. His podcast has been a fantastic addition to my regular listening lists and just Congratulations on 50th episode for you, Dan. And I'm sure there will be 50 more and 150 more after that because you've brought in some much-needed energy, some new enthusiasm, and, of course, some great fandom of all things related to the Miami Heat. So congrats again. Looking forward to the next 50 episodes. You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy. Brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Heating Up the UK, a, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come on to today's episode, I have got lots of thanks to give. We've hit a very good milestone there, 50 episodes. Can't believe it. Um, first of all, thank you to the guys that you just heard previous to coming on here. Will Menso, Giancarlo Navas, Alphonse Sydney, David Ramil, uh, four of my favourite content providers in what is an incredible and growing uh, community here for uh, for the Miami Heat. Um, yeah, just I'm very proud to be a part of it. I am. Um, I, I feel blessed to have spoken to some incredible people: Eric Reed, Jason Jackson, Ethan Skolnick, Mike Inglis. The list goes on. Um, I'm just a fan from the UK. I never thought I would be able to get to talk to these people and share insights and so on. So uh, it is a privilege. So I want to thank all the guys that have jumped on and supported this podcast. It does mean the world. And of course, 
I love, I've got to say thank you to the listeners because without you, it's just me and a couple of other guys just talking to each other. So the fact that the numbers continue to grow, um, it shows that people want to listen to us. And even though we're never really going to be as, you know, to, the, as, as high as a volume count as the absolute leaders in this market. And why would we? Because they do such an incredible job. But even so, the fact that guys continue to tune in episode after episode is huge and very touching. So thank you so much to the listeners. On to today's episode. And I have my usual two guys here from the UK back, Darren Carter and Sam Aquara. Firstly, Darren, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Good, good. And Sam, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Great Happy stuff. To be on the 50th episode. Yes. So, yeah, before we go any further, let me just both thank you both two, both you two personally as well, because you've both given up a lot of time. You've probably been on, I would say, up to a dozen episodes each, sharing, um, sharing your insights, sharing your passion for the, for the team that we love. So, um, I really, really do appreciate your time. Um, you know, the UK uh, basketball NBA in the UK is not huge by any means. It is certainly growing. But it's not, a, you know, we're, we're it's a, it's completely shadowed by football and rugby and cricket, tennis, Formula One. You'd say all of these are probably ahead of this sport. But so to find two guys that are so passionate and are so insightful and knowledgeable about the Miami Heat from the UK is uh, is is brilliant. So I love talking to you guys. So thank you so much for joining me uh, on almost a weekly basis now. It's it's fantastic. Anyway, guys, enough gushing. Let's get on to some <laughs> basketball talk. Um, we have just, as we record now, we have just spoke, uh, well, sorry, we've just finished, uh, well, not quite finished, but we've just had our uh, double header back-to-back against the Phoenix Suns and the, and the Denver Nuggets. Both ended up in losses. I'm not surprised at that. I called it. I think most of us called it. You could have called the Denver game a scheduled loss, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago even. This isn't a surprise. But what upsets me a bit, is the manner of the defeats again, because we've spoke about it before. We'll probably speak about it again before the season's out. But this team looks so good, so goddamn good when it's winning. But it looks like a lottery team when we're losing. It's mm. so bizarre. I don't know how we can go from a team that looked like we could challenge for, for not only coming out of the East, but could challenge to win this. And then on other weeks, other games just look so out of form, so out of sorts. Uh, last night's games, as I said, was a bit of a, a deja vu of the Suns game. Started off hot and then went wrong very quickly. Um, Sam, what are your thoughts here? I mean, what, what can you put this down to one thing? I've got some notes here. I've got some thoughts of why I think it is. But what's your thoughts, buddy? Why? What, what's going wrong here? What's Why are we so inconsistent? Um, I think for me, the best way to describe this team is we are a good team. Let's get that out of the way but we've got such a slim margin of error. We can't, we can't expect to mess up on a few areas and escape with a win. Watching the Suns game, I was, a, I was quite disappointed because prior to going into that game, the one thing I praised about the Heat was our ability to switch on defense and making the right switches as well. Um, I, I praised the team's defensive tenacity on and on and on again, but I, I felt completely left out, left, let down after the Suns game. Um, there were instances where the double screens that the Suns kept putting on us, our players got lost on those screens. There was like poor closeouts, uh, poor helping. And if the Suns weren't catching us out on the screens, they were either simply just making shots because they're, they're that offensively talented. Mm. And if they weren't making shots, they're out rebounding us. So it was quite a disappointing yeah. defensive show for me to watch. Yeah, and on the offensive end, it wasn't, there wasn't much there, but we kind of 
tend to expect that from previous games. Yeah, and th- this is the bizarre thing, Sam. I'm glad you sort of led that on because, Darren, this team, Sam's just sort of said there, you come to expect now that the Heat aren't a good offensive team. But I don't get why because, you know, last year we lost. Uh, there, there could be some, um, you know, all these fingers being pointed about why we would maybe become a worse defensive team, losing Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr., getting in Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. Avery Bradley didn't really play because of injuries. Mo Harkless didn't really play just because of bad form. So, uh, but defensively, we've got better. We're a top five defensive team. But the, the the offense, which was so sharp last year, is fundamentally the same team as what run us to the finals last year. So, so what's going on? How can we be so good or, uh, last year and the same sort of personnel be so shit really this season yeah I think I, I totally agree with, with what Sam's saying uh, margin for error is very very slim um, and if we're not you know getting that offence um, and, and we're not flowing on offence you know it puts a lot of pressure on your defence and as good as I think we are and as you say I agree with you I think we have got better um, you know it's on some nights if we're not quite at it, it it's going to tell and I think it has done especially in these last two games and against obviously quality and elite opposition um, again I have another theory and I base this a lot on on obviously my um, experiences this year in football over here um, with COVID and restrictions and mm-hmm. everything else um, and I think that you know being within a, a, a squad um, and having to deal with injuries uh, deal with protocol um and not having fans in, in arenas as well. Um, all these things that have been thrown, you know, at, at teams, you know, obviously all across the world. But, you know, in the, the Heat's case, um, we have had, you know, a, a real sort of turbulent time, haven't we, with injuries and players missing games. Uh, and I don't know, watching the, the, the two games, you know, the Suns and, and, and last night, that I can't help but feel we get to a point in games where, you know, I feel that, you know, maybe it's a mental thing as, with, as well with the players that, you know, do we push ourselves? Do we excel ourselves too much to get back into a game when realistically, you know, if we're looking at it and, and saying these two, potentially we're not going to win, uh, do we save ourselves a little bit? And on the back of that then, you know, I, I look at, right, can we position ourselves into the playoffs where we want to be? Obviously, missing out on that in-play uh, or playing, should I say, uh, tournament. Um, because I think with this squad, you know, in, in playoff games, I think that's when we'll be laser focused uh, and all the things that we're sort of skipping at the moment defensively and, and offen- off- offensively, um, I think we'll be really sort of you know zeroed in when it comes to playoffs. So I think what I'm, I'm trying to get to the, the point really is that are we really, all the players sort of planning mentally and physically to get into the playoffs and that's when we're going to start playing our best basketball. I know that's not, you can't sort of hang your hat on that and mm-hmm. people talk about momentum and everything else, but... Um, I'll just get a feel for this squad that they're, you know, let's do enough to get ourselves into the playoffs. And that's when we can really uh, hone in and zero in. Yeah, I think that's um, that, that can't be understated. I think that you're right. This is a uh, this is more of a playoff locked team than it is uh, a regular season team. I think that there's you can see there's levels that we could step up here if need be, and um, it can't be understated the points that you make there, which are which are really you know very key. The fact that. Yeah, it, it is a COVID season. Um, I, I think that 
you've also got to remember that this is a, at the moment it is a West Coast trip again. We are playing a ridiculous amount of games in a short amount of time. Um, you know, to play eight games in I think eleven or twelve games, which is what we're currently in the mixture of. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's almost it's borderline unfair on the players because we expect the same of them every week, forgetting the fact that. You know, they've got travel, they've got training, they've got coaching, they've got, you know, uh, f flying from city to city through the nights. So, yeah, look, I mean, that, that is a great point to put up. But, uh, yeah, we'll come on to sort of things about the, the play-in and play on to, uh, play playoffs and so on in a minute. But just coming back to last night's game again, Sam, um, you, you sort of touched on it there about, you know, soft switching and things. Do you think there's some coaching issues here? Because surely with players like Jokic, we shouldn't be having players like Jokic being guarded uh, by you know, Duncan Robinson shouldn't be guarding him. Uh, Kendrick Nunn shouldn't be guarding him. Bam Adebayo should be guarding him. And yet it seems like we're always being switched onto the small guy. What's, what's that to do with? Is that more sort of clever offensive play or is there a coaching issue there? Uh, you've got a point. I, I don't want to think that Bam Adebayo has got low defensive IQ because he's a fantastic defensive player. He should know that there's certain switches he shouldn't make. So I'd, I'd like to believe that it's what is the routine they go through in practice. And it's sort of like embedded in him that when the ball moves this way, you got to switch this way. And it's kind of like an instant response. But um, I'd like to hope that when that happens once or twice on the court. You've got people calling that out. That's what the assistant coaches are for. That's what Udonis Haslam is for. So, um, yeah, you've raised a very good point. Yeah, exactly. I know you, you've got to give it some credit to, to the better players will realise that as well and they'll force those switches. So, uh, yeah, it just seems a little bit disjointed at the moment and uh, just sort of finishing up on the, on the sort of offensive woes. The reason why I sort of bring it up and it does make me scratch my head is because when you've got, you know, Butler, Bam, Robinson, Dragic, you know, Hero, none. These are all good players that are all capable of hitting 20s, mid-20s, like late teens every night. And we just don't, we, we seem like we're always relying on uh, Butler to get you majority of the points there every night. And we just don't see it enough from the other guys. It's far too streaky. Uh, and, well, you know, th these are some of the reasons why I think that we're struggling. And uh, Darren, I know you're a big, big Tyler Hero fan. Um, but with no Oladipo, who did, did gives you that offensive punch, he's obviously out indefinitely for the time being. We will touch on him in a minute. Um, and Dragic being out of form looks like he's lost a step, but doesn't play the, now back-to-backs, which is understandable. But he looks a shadow of the player that we saw last season, especially in the bubble. Tyler Hero last night hit five points in about 27 minutes, something like that. Um, he, he only hit 10 points against Phoenix in about 30-something minutes. When we are missing two key offensive threats, which is what Oladipo and Dragic even now are, you, we, we rely on, on Tyler to, to do much more than that, don't we? Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, um, again, planting my, you know, Tyler Hero um, jersey aside. And, you know, I, I, was, I say, I, I, I just love the way he plays the game. And um, But you're right, he hasn't um, been there or hasn't stepped up um, when we've needed him recently. Um, but you go on his track record and he's played in enough big games now where he's delivered in clutch moments. Is it enough, you know, clutch shots um, to, to know that you can rely on him? And for me, you know, I think it's just a period where probably, again, he's a, he's a shooter. And like you say, he's been very streaky of late, um, as has, you know, Duncan Robinson. But, you know, uh, for me, Tyler Hero, you hang you can hang your hat on him. You can trust him. Um and I think this will be something he'll he'll come through, and um, you know. But it's just unfortunate, like you say, when we're missing Oladipo or Jimmy, 
you know, needs someone alongside him. Um, Tyler hasn't quite had it um, in the, you know, the recent weeks. But, you know, for me, I, I, I think you trust him. You have to, you know, he's past, he's, you know, his track record has proved that. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot more things to be concerned about than uh, Tyler Harrow bouncing back and giving you uh, sort of solid offensive performances because he's got it in his locker. We know he has. He's got such a high skill set. He has improved as a player, maybe not as much as what we perhaps thought that we we would have seen this season. He started very good and we've seen it sort of tail off. But uh, you, you like to think that he's got that in his personality. He's got it in his game. He's got it in his self-belief that he will become that player. Maybe we are asking a bit too much of him. He had an incredible rookie season. He hasn't had an off, an off, a summer off yet. You know, he hasn't had an off season to sort of maybe bulk up and, um, you know, learn a bit more about the game. He's gone literally from one season straight into the next. So, uh, but I, I'm not overly concerned because as I said, this isn't a player you'd think that would ever sort of, you'd worry about. He hasn't got that in his locker because he has, he's got that belief to be able to do that. Um, I just, I hope that we can start to rely on it a little bit more because you need him to be able to become that man. If, for example, Dragic is going to, you know, continue this sort of regression, and we're not, we're not going to. Well, whatever the best we can hope for with Dragic is that he just regains some form. Uh, but so with that in said, and with Oladipo out, you you do need to start expecting Tyler to come up with these games to be able to say, okay, I'm going to be the go-to man, which is what we saw last season. Um, so yeah, okay. Just before we finish on last night's games, then uh, Sam. Um, we heard the same sort of story again with Bam Adebayo after the Suns game, and it was the usual quote, I need to be more aggressive. Now, he was more aggressive last night. He took more shots. Um, but when I think a lot of the fan base are quite hard on him, but they're hard on him because we know how good this guy can be. He, he's got to realise that if he, if he goes downhill a bit more, if he runs at the basket, if he attacks these players, he is better than 90% of the guys he's going to be coming up against. The sooner he believes that, he can be a superstar. He's already a star, but he can you can put that super in front of it. But it just frustrates us, doesn't it, as fans, because we don't see it enough. We keep hearing after defeats, I need to be more aggressive. Um, what, 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 what do we think here? Do, do we think that Bam can be the player where he can realistically get mid to high 20s every every single game, like Joe OMB does, like Nikola Jokic does? Because the rest of it is 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 there, isn't he? Yeah, um, just watching those past few games and thinking back to early in the season when Jimmy was out with the COVID protocol and Bam was just aggressive. It got me thinking, maybe we need a situation of like, was it 2011, 2012 to be specific, where D-Wade took a step back and said, okay, LeBron, you're the man, take this team to where it needs to be taken to. Maybe we just need Jimmy Butler to just take a step back and say, okay, Bam, this is your team. And he does say it. Mm. Um, I remember... Um, I think it was last season or this season where I think Jimmy was asked if he was an all-star, if they, something, I think it was like, that. there's an all-star on the team and then he goes, who, bam? Mm. So yeah, he does say it in terms of words, but I think maybe it's time for him to take that sort of step back in a sense of like ceremoniously, not in actuality. Obviously I'd want him to like, I'd want him to defer to bam, but I want him to still know that he's there to save the game when we need him to, like D Wade would do. He, he always kept that sort of reserve power in case LeBron yeah. wasn't getting it done. So yeah, it could be a case where the the coaching staff, the team as a whole, in 
everyone just says, all right, bam, take us to the to the finish line and he needs to believe in himself and just get it done. Yeah, I, th I think that's mainly it because we, we've seen the improvement in his mid-range. I mean, that, from last season to this season, it's incredible. Like, you know, that he's knocking down over 50% of his mid-range attempts, which is great because it was nowhere to be seen last year. That's great, but he is so athletic. He is so powerful that if he goes downhill, nobody is stopping him and we don't see it enough. And that's what we, I think that's what us fans get more frustrated at is because he knows what he's got to do because he says what he's got to do, but we don't see it enough. And we're, it, that's the frustration at the moment we've got with Bam. But I hope he can believe it. Again, perhaps it is something down to the, you know, the, the short um, turnaround time. He worked on an aspect of his game and he's got better for that game. But he, he is a star waiting to become a superstar. He just needs to believe in himself a bit more. I think it's as simple as that. Okay, right. Let's get on to um, uh, the next game, which is against Minnesota. Now, that wraps up the West Coast trip. Um, I think personally, Darren... Two and two was always the uh, sort of realistic achievement here, the record here going through this. I said um, the Portland game was always the biggest one because that was one that could go either way. Very talented team with very talented players. That's the one we needed to get the win. And not only did we get the win, but we played really well. Again, just shows how bipolar this team is. Suns and um, and the Denver game, look, I, I, I think you would have been maybe, you know, you would have not shocked, maybe that's the wrong word, but I think that there would have been eyebrows raised if we would have won either one of those games because the Suns are the hottest team in the NBA right now. I know Clippers are on a bigger winning streak, but the Suns have won, oh God, no, I think they've only dropped one in about their last half, 12, 13 games. So they're looking great. We said on our live show, Sam, the other day that, you know, they're on paper, you can make an argument that they're one of the best teams or maybe even the best team on the NBA in the NBA. So Suns game, I didn't expect anything in. Denver, I don't care where, where you are, going to Denver is a hard game no matter what. Um, so second night of a back-to-back -back with injuries, etc. that was always going to be a write-off, I suppose. So Minnesota game has to be a win, Darren, doesn't it? Because if this goes one and three, I don't want to log on to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you, you're dead right in, in everything you've just said there. And um, I think there is kind of a... A running joke, isn't there? If you play Denver on a back-to-back, -back, you know at their at their place with the altitude and everything else, yeah. that it's, it is an automatic uh, loss. But um, but yeah, you're right. The the Minnesota game now is a game that we need to go and win. Uh, I think that you could probably say that now for the rest of the schedule. Um, you know, I've seen your your tweet and obviously looked at our remaining schedule and, and games, and you know they are favourable. Um, but you know, I've seen a few comments saying that you you know you do have to go and win them games. So you know, hopefully Friday night against Minnesota can be the the benchmark to say right these are games that we we should go and win we need to go and win um and then that can sort of propel us then into the the must win or the real key games you know your Atlanta game you your two against Boston um I know we've got a few difficult ones against Brooklyn and uh and the Bucks as well but yeah I think yeah the, the games we should be winning now you know the priorities that you know get it done um, and as I say, them, them other three, you know, the Atlanta and the two Boston games, I think are ones that we've really got to key in. Um, and they will be the difference then whether we do propel ourselves into the actual playoffs or we, we get stuck in the, the playing tournament. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's key. It's vital, yeah, that we start Friday with that and, and have that mindset. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that um, the, the one sort of thing that when I was scrolling through, that we, we'll, we'll sort of finish the episode with some predictions about that that run, that upcoming run that we've got uh, the next six games, which I think are all very winnable. Um, but one thing when I was looking through the sort of immediate games is that 
after the Timberwolves game tomorrow, we only actually go out West once more in the remaining 16 games after that. And that's against the San Antonio Spurs. We play Western teams, but we don't have any more traveling really. It's all East and close after that Spurs game, which is in about a week's time. Um, so that's important. I think that's that that's something that will, will favor us. Um, according to Tankathon, and I know there's all sorts of different strength of schedule um, variation sites out there, but according to Tankathon, who do it most logically, in my opinion, which is obviously just down to record, they say we've got the third most uh, uh, easiest schedule coming up. So again, these are positive things because the East is just a clusterfuck at the moment. It's crazy how we can be two games uh, above, uh, below fourth, but only one and a half games ahead of ninth. We'll come on to all that in a second about the uh, the playoff play-ins and how that will work and all the rest of it. But yet again, Sam, um, this is a game that there is no excuses really, is it? I think they've got the worst record um, off the top of my head. I believe it's the worst record in the NBA. Um, two and two, as we said, I think I think you was maybe a little bit more optimistic. I think you went three on one over this West Coast trip, which doesn't surprise me because that's very you. That's very you. Um, but this one has to be. I mean, God, God, we do not want to wake up Saturday morning with a defeat here, do we? Absolutely not. I didn't even want to wake up this morning. I haven't even watched any of my usual heat pods because it hit me that bad. But yeah, this is it's a must-win game. I mean, we've seen this team go through good stretches where we can't lose a game and then stretches where we can't win a game. So um, I want to think it's just the ebbs and flows of the season. Hopefully we can get a nice win run, a win streak coming soon, considering the East Coast, majorly East Coast sort of, I think an eight game streak we've got. And this should be all winnable games. So hopefully we could start that from here. I think that um, it is key not only that we do do we pick up a win, but after a little bit of criti- criticism, I think it needs to be like a it needs to be a convincing win. I mean, all right, don't get me yeah, wrong. Absolutely, you, you have to you, you take any W. Of course, you do. You can't just rock, rock up to any team in the NBA and expect to win. That's not how it works. So we have to put a shift in, and we'll have to get that win. But we, we need this to be a good one because. Yeah, we, we don't want to be coming back here looking at some of the teams that we got to play. I mean, straight after that game, we then got Brooklyn Nets. You know, I know that they have maybe got players missing right now, but that could easily end up in a in a defeat as well. And suddenly, yeah, those uh, those those play in tournaments start to look maybe like it, it could fall that way, which would be mm. a bit of a nightmare. We'll come on to that in a second anyway. But let's just before we go through the schedule, I just want to touch again on where we believe this team is, because as I said before, we, we look either very good or we look very, very average. Um, personally, I think this is this is a worse team than it was last year. I don't think that's unreasonable to say. Um, I think we've seen improvements in certain areas, but overall, I think this is a pretty average team. And I, I'm surprised by that because I've, I, I predicted Miami to finish second in the East this year before a ball was bounced. Um, and it's not going to be anything like that. We've, we've seen the top two, top three sort of storm ahead of the rest of the pack. Um, but I am surprised at some of the regression here. We touched already, Darren, on, on Goran Dragic. He is on a 90 million team option for next year. Um, I don't see any way, shape or form. Take loyalty out of it for a minute. The Heat would be mad to do this, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think when you look at it from a business standpoint and you take loyalty and what Goran's done for the franchise, um, yeah, I just think, you know, the there's too much risk with injury uh, and, and sort of, you know, he's missed a fair few games this season and, and previous, you know, seasons. Um, obviously, he's aged. Um, the skill set is obviously still there. He still shows the flashes of of what he's all about. Um so yeah, I think that one is definitely your your 
from a business standpoint, yeah, you, know, you wouldn't take take a, you know take him up on that. I think from what you're saying about where we stand, I mean, I'm a little bit more optimistic. And again, you know, I, I, I take into you know all the factors this year in terms of the the you know uh, short and rest that we had after the finals. You know, from a conditioning standpoint for the players, um, and just what I've seen recently with the mindset that you know I think it is, and, and from my aspect as a fan, I, I, I just want us to do enough. I wouldn't want us to excel ourselves just purely on the basis that we haven't had as much rest as anyone else. We've had injuries. We've had to rely heavily on, on certain players. Um, so all that sort of workload and, and physicality that they've had to, to lay out there and mentally as well, um, I think we're saving a little bit. Uh, and, and, and for me personally, I take that because then when we enter the playoffs, um, you know, we've got more than enough experience more than enough talent um, to go into to series and, and win them um, so yeah I, I kind of like where we're at in terms of um, the, the, the roster um, and the players we've got because I think in, in big playoff games we will have players that will step up big um, and have the experience so um, there you go Mr. Optimistic. Darren, Mr. Darren <laughs> Carter, everyone. So there's me just pouring doom, doom and gloom. This is what, you know, this is what staying up to 3am, three nights out of four does to you. It makes you moody. It makes you cranky. So Darren Carter, thank you very much for just, just, you know, saying settle down a minute. This is a good team and we are prepared for the playoffs. So thank you very much for that, Darren. So, uh, Sam, I'm going to bring straight back to negatives and uh, say, <laughs> um, say, look, there, there are reasons for this as we, we've touched on them. Uh, Goran Dragic was incredible, incredible in the bubble. And we haven't seen anything like that, mainly because, yep, just age, lost a step. He got a serious injury in the, in the finals uh, with his uh, plantar fascia or however you pronounce it, injury. Um, so, it, you know, that was expected that we wasn't maybe going to see that uh, sort of same level of performance come. Uh, the short layoff, as Darren's just touched on there, that is a point. You know, we haven't, some of the teams here, by the time this season resumed, hadn't played for the best part of a year. And then suddenly, you know, we was coming in and uh, after offer about a 10 week layoff and expected to pick it all back up. So, again, that's a good point. Tyler Harrow, we've mentioned it, maybe hasn't improved as much as we perhaps hoped he would have done. And that's not really a slant on him, because as we've already said, there's reasons for it. Again, he hasn't had an off season and so on. Jimmy Butler, our all star, our superstar. He's been affected with injuries as well. But what do you if you had to pinpoint this as to one main reason? What would you put this down to? The fact that this just isn't as good a team as it was last year. I want to say something and I don't want to backtrack, but I feel like it needs to be said. And it's just piggybacking on what Darren said initially at the start of the pod. At some point we have to ask ourselves, is this a mental thing? Because thinking back to the trade deadline, we saw leading up to the trade deadline, how Duncan Robinson played, how Tyler Hero played, and then, as soon as that was out of the way, they started playing fine. And I want to liken this team to, I believe it's the 93 Phoenix Suns, the Suns that made it to the finals. Charles Barkley always said they made it to the finals and then the next year, everyone came in thinking they're champions, like they won a ring. And last season, we, we always had those stories of 3 a.m. practices and how these teams were dogs. But I don't know, maybe because of like COVID protocol or just short short off season we haven't really had those stories and um yeah it's i feel we've lost that underdog sort of feel that we had last season so 
That's what I want to attribute it to. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe there's the points there. I mean, I'm not sure because I think that everything that the heat culture goes for would suggest otherwise. But you know, you, you, you're saying mm. you're saying what you feel, and you know that that's there, there is a point to that because you're right. We we were the underdogs last year, and suddenly there were people that saying that you know we they didn't want that fluke as everyone was calling it everyone was calling it a fluke they wanted to replicate that so and we we haven't really seen it so maybe there is some substance there there sam um before we come on to sort of the as we said there's some predictions about the the next half a dozen games i just want to touch on a, a segment here about offensively again if we look at this team if we think that we've got jimmy butler and bam Adebayo, who are two very good two-way players obviously undoubtedly superstars in this league um if you take them aside for one minute, Victor Oladipo, that we hope from what we have with some intel that he will play again this season. So we've got this sort of no risk, suck it and see, have a little look, see what he is, see what he's about, etc. But I think maybe the plan would be that we do re-sign him. It just becomes on what number we re-sign him to. But let's say, for example, that all works well, the injury isn't too bad, and Oladipo is a Miami Heat player next year. That's three pretty good offensive players. Dragic, you would say, would probably not be there, or if he is there, certainly not for the money that he's on, unless they can renegotiate something, that a, a team-friendly deal. Um, Tyler Harrow is locked in still for another couple of years, I think, on his rookie deal. Apart from that, I think Precious Tatua is the only player that is guaranteed to be back here after next year. Uh, everybody else is on team options or their expiring contracts. Now, we've spoken many times about Duncan Robinson, about whether you pay him. I think at this stage, you do. I think you, I think it, you almost have to now. Because if you don't pick Duncan Robinson in, Tyler Harrow with an off-season, we expect to progress. Duncan, uh, sorry, uh, Jimmy, Bam, and Vic, that's fine. But when you look at the free agency class, you know, apart from Chris Paul, who's on a player option, you'd expect him to be in Phoenix next year. Kawhi Leonard, I know there's been some rumours, but he's on a player option. You expect him to be in LA next year. After that, doesn't doesn't nothing jumps off the page here. So... What do you think, Darren? Do you think that, um, you know, you're relying on maybe now um, getting Vic to health and getting him in, getting Duncan signed up because the, the the pros and cons here of whether you do or not are sort of becoming a non-factor now. I think you have to. Uh, and then hoping that Tyler uh, uh, improves because otherwise, where's your points going to come from next year? Yeah, uh, and and personally, I'll be quite happy, you know, with that five that you mentioned there, Oladipo, obviously getting him back fully healthy, um, Bam, Jimmy, Tyler, and then if you throw Duncan Robertson in there, um, you know, I'd be quite happy with that as a, the starting blocks, if you like, um, and what you're building the team around. Um, like you say, I mean, I'd have to have a look at the full list of free agency, but... Um, well, I've got, yeah. a few, I've, got, I've got a few for you. Um, so the, the, the standard name, so Cole Lowry, as we knew, we was obviously mm -hmm. very much in for him. He was always going to be an expiring, so that may resurface. And again, I'll be well up for that because I'm a big Cole fan. DeMar DeRozan, that's another name that's, uh, you know, again, he's not a two-way player by any means because defense, defensively he's garbage, but offensively he's still borderline all-star level. Um, then you've got Lonzo Ball, which is another name that clearly wants, there's rumours that he wants out. Not necessarily that scorer that you want, but the facilitation and the playmaking and the IQ is up there. So out of those three names, you know, that, that, that that's really mm. pretty much it. Otherwise, you're just, you're rolling it back and you're going again. Yeah, and like you say, the three, I mean, they're probably the most solid one out of them is Kyle Lowry. Um, 
you know, I think Lonzo is is more of your your Maverick type one. Uh, I mean, I'm a massive Demar Derozan fan anyway, and you know, I do, you know, I, I get your point on him defensively. Um, I just think he's that kind of guy. You know, him and Larry are definitely sort of heat guys. You know, probably Derozan a little bit more, I'd say. Um, I think he'd be a nice fit. Um, but yeah, like you say, if there's not much out there in terms of what we can go and get, um, then yeah, like you say, the Robinson factor certainly leans heavily towards re-signing him um, and getting him, you know, uh, sort of pinned down on, on a deal. Um, but yeah, you know, like I say, that's not a bad five for me to, to, to be building around. Um, and then it's up to, to Pat and in Pat we trust uh, and we always have to go and build a, a team to, you know, a compl- uh, you know, sort of, you know, accompany the five. Um, yep. Going to, you know, be the foundation. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, obviously, we, look, people sometimes criticise the plan to not re-sign players and so on. And, you know, you was hoping on a player that, that with, with Giannis Antetokounmpo that you was, you was hoping on someone that never really gave a true indication that actually wanted to be here. But I don't blame them at all for that because if a superstar generational player comes about and you think there is a chance, you don't scupper that by signing up, um, you know, B-plus players to give you a bit more depth and maybe do a bit more job. You always leave that max slot available to try and get that superstar. So I don't blame them. But, you know, here we are. Because of it, there is a consequence. And here we are that everybody now is started to get signed up and therefore the list doesn't look as great. But as as Darren said there, you know, you, you do trust in the front office. They're savvy enough to be able to put together a good team. Um, Trevor Ariza has been fantastic. Sam, um, you know, much better than what we thought. Uh, this is the guy who hadn't played for a year, so I think hats off to him. He's become a, a, a not only a quite a good offensive threat, but defensively he's been great as well. And I think to come in as a starter after so long has been uh, hats off to him for that. But also we saw a little glimpse of Dwayne Deadman last night. Uh, we saw six minutes of him. He was our second highest rebounder. He got the same amount of points as... Um, uh, I think Hero was it, or no, maybe not. And uh, I think he got he got uh, a block as well. So Dwayne Deadman, um, you know that that's going to help us, I think, a bit off the balls, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the small sample size of minutes that we saw it gave me a bit of hope, and I just hope that Eric Sportstra will find a way to factor in a, f- a few more minutes because in the last game we needed a lot more than the few minutes he played. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so the, what, the sort of point I was getting to that is that. You know, you do trust in this off in this front office to be able to put together some players because Miami is going, always going to be one of the most attractive um, propositions. So to bring in players at, at this stage, even when some of the bigger names went, you know, we brought in Trevor Ariza. He's come in and done such a great job, uh, much better than what I think everybody had uh, the expectations of him from both in, inside and outside the club. And then, as I said, the early stages, very, very small sample size, as you said there, but the early stages of Deadman. That's off, you know, thumbs up to that. So, right, guys, we will finish up with uh, a segment just about looking at the schedule going forward. So we've already said here the Timberwolves, wow, I mean, has to be a win, has to be a win. But after that, as I said, Brooklyn Nets in an early game, woohoo, an early game uh, on Sunday. Um, that could go either way because we don't know what's happening with their player, their personnel at the moment. You know, they seem to have a lot of players out. But, um, you know, you'd like to think that we give them a game regardless. Then just looking forward, We've got um, Houston, San Antonio, uh, Atlanta and the Bulls. Now, the second two especially, you say, are must-win here, Darren. Um, but overall, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games there. Um, what do we think? I mean, we've got to be looking, really, at at least four of them, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, I mean, sort of, yeah, closing out this month, um, I think you, you look at, obviously, the Brooklyn game is the one that, 
um, you know, you, you put a highlight round um, and, you know, you're not probably expecting much, but then again, you know, Brooklyn have shown on a, a couple of occasions now that they can be a little bit lax. Um, as I said, the Atlanta game is big. You know, I think that's the one that decides the tiebreaker as well, doesn't it? Uh, oh, right, you- okay. Yep. So um, I think, yeah, as it stands, we're one and one as uh, my research has uh, hopefully shown. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then the two back-to-back balls games and, and Spurs. So, yeah, I mean, I only really look at the Brooklyn and, and Atlanta games as the ones that, um, you know, I'd, I'd say I'm 50-50 on. The rest yep. I do fancy us, you know, going and, and winning. Yeah, it seems like a really sort of important week to 10 days of the of the season now because we finished quite strong. I think we've got Bucks are in there and Boston once or maybe even twice. Um, so there's some tough games to finish the season. So this next uh, few games here um, look like the, the what could make or break this lock for a, a, a top or a top six seed, which will give get you in the playoffs because... If you start falling into those uh, those play-ins, or at the seven and eight, you get two bites of the cherries. But I don't want to be in that seventh or eighth spot and having to play a, you know, uh, possibly a Raptors. Maybe they're only a game outside, or you know, um, uh, Charlotte, who looked so good just a week or so ago, with players like you know Gordon and um, Gordon Hayward and Devonta Graham and so on. You know, they can. They've they got turn Rosier on. back as well. Yeah, Rosier back. I don't want to be falling into that because they're elimination games. If you lose them, you're done. The season's finished. So. Sam, to finish us off here, um, yeah, as I say, this is a turning point in the season the next week or so. Yeah, and I think between now and the playoffs, we should we have to absolutely try to like widen that margin for error because like you said, if we happen to fall into the play-in games, all we need is one, one off night on defence, one night where we can't rebound, one night where our switches are terrible and that's the end of our season. So we, from between now to the end of the season, we have to actually start working on um, just those little bits of areas of concern that we all know are areas of concern. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I don't want... Uh, uh, very quickly, for people that don't know about the play-in tournament, top six are locked in, seven then plays eight, nine plays ten. The, the winner of the nine and ten game goes to play the... Win, the, the um, Sorry, let's start again. The uh, seven and eight teams, the winner of that one are in the playoffs. The loser of that game will play the winner of the nine and ten and the, the, the loser of the nine and ten are out. Um, so that will work out your seedings. I don't want any part of that. So let's hope that we can get this next stage. This is a crucial stage of the season. Um, it's a really, really strange time because at this moment in time, as I've said, I don't know whether this team is good or not. Uh, Darren has said that they are. Darren says we're locked in for the playoffs and we will become good then. I will agree with you, Darren. You, you, you're swaying me. I'm maybe a bit too down about it, but uh, we'll see what happens. But without a doubt, by the time we next talk, guys, which will be maybe in a week or two's time, we'll, uh, we'll know a lot more about the picture here. So um, let's see what happens. Guys, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much, as I said, to being a part of this team. Uh, a quick shout out to John Jablonka and... Uh, uh, Danny Renaldon as well for being my part of my stream team, as are you, Sam, giving up all your time here on almost a nightly basis to be able to come and support this podcast and this uh, this account in general. Uh, it means so much. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we will continue going, guys. 50 episodes are in the books. We are just getting started. We will continue to be here for as long as you'll have us. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you again to all the listeners, all the people that have helped uh, grow this account. It means so much. So, guys... Enjoy the uh, the next couple of games. We'll catch up again next week. Um, 
we'll uh, we'll leave it there tonight. And uh, yeah, as I said a big, big moment coming up in the season. Let's hope by the time we come in, we've sort of solidified that top six because that's all I want. All right, guys, take care. All right, take easy. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.